Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called It's Only a Paper Moon, the 10th episode of the 7th season. Aired on December 30th, 1998. Written by Ronald D. Moore. Story credit goes to David Mack and John J. Ordover. Directed by Anson Williams. I think Mack and Ordover are uh, f- uh, novel writers as well. In the aftermath of an injury that left him disabled on AR-558, Nog returns to DS9, but he finds he cannot go on living with his uncertain life and seeks shelter within the fictional world of Vic Fontaine in Las Vegas in 1962. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, it's funny. The one thing that stood out to me about this is uh, how they mentioned that using a hall of suite for rehab is like a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that would be one of the primary functions of it. You would think so, yeah, right? It's got some yeah. medical application to go along with it. It's not just for having sex with people and playing war stories. You can actually do some good with it. <laughs> you know, I, I went uh, a handful of years ago, uh, my girlfriend and I went down to visit her cousin who worked at the uh, USS the Intrepid Base. I forget. It's a base in, in San Antonio and uh, where they send um, a lot of the wounded soldiers who have had uh, amputations and stuff done specifically yep. for rehab and there was this amazing thing they basically it's like uh, walking around that place i got the impression that if they had hollow sweet technology they absolutely would use it for this because there was uh a bunch of things that were simulating uh living environments and working environments to try and get them back on their feet uh, oh sure so it's like sitting at a desk and getting up and stuff like that like yeah they had they had the the entire cab of a truck inside this place in one of the rooms that was specifically outfitted for uh people who need um special driving additions done to the to the wheel of the car and the pedals and stuff so you could get in there and get used to it before they send you out in the world and they had a whole setup of a uh uh an apartment to get you used to to dealing with like cabinets and stuff again and all that kind of stuff and the coolest thing that they had coolest from a technological standpoint was for people um who had been injured and who were going to go back into uh into combat it essentially was like a danger room from the x-men where they had this kind of like sort of imax screen and there was a uh multi-directional um treadmill excuse me sorry um and they would suit you up with a gun and with like a a, like a helmet and stuff and they would send you through simulated combat situations Mm -hmm. and and get you used to well as much as you can in a simulation but it my long story short uh it seems like it was the closest thing to a holodeck that currently exists so if this technology did exist, it 100% would be used for this. Yeah, right. yeah. I guess we'll get into the uh, the reason why maybe it wouldn't be used, but we'll do that after the break. I'm going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then me and Clay will come back. We'll break down. It's only a paper moon. Something wrong? I don't want to go back to my quarters. <sighs> Actually, I don't want to go back to my life. <sighs> Vic? 
Where do you live? Uh, in the program, I mean. Do you have a house or... I have a suite here in the hotel. Do you have an extra room? Sure. You want to stay with me tonight? Maybe more than just tonight. Officially, I'm on medical leave, and according to regulations, I can choose my rehabilitation facility. You want to choose a hollow suite program for your rehab? Why not? Okay, kid. That's the way you want it? From now on, you're staying with me. Great. We told you it was coming. This is Nog's PS- PTSD episode about losing his mm-hmm. leg. You had asked if they were going to touch on it, and they did touch on it. And here we are to talk about It's Only a Paper Moon, which is a good song, which is a lot of good music in this episode, actually. And um, an interesting episode, I guess, like a very, this is a very, uh, I don't know if you did Lower Decks on TNG, but it's a, it's a very Lower Decks episode, I think, of this mm-hmm. uh, series, where it's about two uh, non-series regulars who carry the episode for probably 99% of it, and it barely has any main cast members in it. It works pretty well, I think. Uh, I think it has some flaws in it, but I think that its heart is in the right place, even if the execution is a little bit leaving to be desired. But what say you about Paper Moon? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it's. I'm glad that they gave some breathing room to the idea that he lost his leg. I'm glad that they gave Nog an episode to himself that wasn't you know, him being the foil for something else or the third man in a Ferengi, you know, mess around. Um, I, is this the episode that makes everybody love Vic Fontaine so much? Probably. He's good. He's good in this one, right? Yeah. It's a good use of, of, of him. Um, he he does (laughs) the hall, the hall of technology is really fascinating still. Cause I mean, when you look at, when you look at it from a, uh, like a screenwriting, um, aspect it's like yeah okay you need him to fulfill certain things and so you give him certain powers but if you look at it from a pure technological standpoint they've they're creating like godlike beings yes that just exist in this nebulous middle world that they apparently can even control whether or not it comes and goes this is so much i would love you know they do the episode where they where data finds uh noonian's what the hell's his name dr sung I think I'm. I think I'm missing, me, messing up names because isn't it Khan Noonien Sang? Uh, Khan Noonien Singh is Khan, and then Noonien right. Sung is. Uh, it's the same. Well, whatever. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, same idea. Look, same guy. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to your letters. Um, <laughs> but I would love to see an episode where somebody goes and and goes to the place where they make Hollow Suite programs and just sees whatever this being is who does this just like dripping in his own power yeah of of dealing with the fact that he's essentially a god being i mean i think that the um i think this episode like the the issues that i would have with it would come from vic fontaine's existence as a character i guess Mm -hmm. because DS9, it feels to me like DS9 created him almost as kind of like another thing of them thumbing their nose at TNG in a lot of ways of being like where this was a serious idea to create like a character who was fully sentient on TNG. DS9 treats it like a throwaway character. Like they're just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we did this. Mm -hmm. He's a a real person. He lives in the holodeck. Well, and Voyager takes it even a step further by just 
making a doctor who is just a person, but he happens to be a hologram. Yes, they. But I, the, the at least Voyager knows that about the doctor, and it treats him accordingly. True, like true. It, it recognizes that fact. Where Vic Fontaine is really treated like he's a real person who can only live on the holodeck. Like they, yeah, he pays he pays taxes. Right. There's no. There's no. Um. There's no ignoring the fact that characters just kind of come in and see him, and the show seems to ignore what he is it doesn't really seem interested in explaining the fact that they've basically created a life form that would be Mm -hmm. remarked upon in any other star trek universe and i think that vic fontaine works in this episode however he's also the problem with it because they made him sentient in like a real person that fits the drama of the story and it makes it more like sort of tragic when they're when they both kind of realize that they have to help each other and that neither of them are getting like the the fulfilling life that they want from Mm -hmm. uh, life however I think it kind of undermines Nog a little bit because Vic Fontaine tells him what to do. Nog doesn't really learn anything about this. And I think it's almost, it's a little bit more profound if this episode also did a better job of showing you that Vic Fontaine is not a real person. Like if Nog, yeah, yeah. Nog realizing that Vic, for all that he seems to be great and everything, is still just a holodeck program and mm-hmm. him realizing that Vic is empty and hollow and that like, therefore his lifestyle in this holodeck doesn't work out for him it's not real that would seem to trigger nog to move want to move back out and into the real world and he would recognize it himself however the show plays it where vic is just such a good guy that he's like you know i'm fake but nog you need to get the hell out of here and live your life and then nog goes off and does it i think i think that 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 sells the um tragedy where both characters are kind of sad at the same point and it wouldn't Mm -hmm. do that if, if vic wasn't a real person but i think it undermines nog slightly in what he is trying to realize about himself yeah, the ending is kind of weird because, you know, Nog has that great emotional scene and then Vic Fontaine is like, well, too bad. I got to shut this down because, frankly, I'm sick of listening to you. And then he, and he shuts the thing down. And then, you know, Nog is trying to fiddle with it to get it come back to get it to come back on. O'Brien's like, oh, you can't do that because he's like a you know super powered hologram. And then <laughs> Vic Fontaine's like, yep, so you can't mess with me so you may as well go back to the real world and then nog leaves and he's fine he's uh, he comes down the stairs and he's like guys i'm better now yeah and it's i know what you mean it's it's very much nog doesn't get there on his own he doesn't he's just kind of pushed into that position and doesn't have any real um functional emotional change yeah it's a little bit of the argument like which I think is a flawed argument for the PTSD people, which is kind of like they need a boot in the ass, sort of. Like the the yeah, reason that he's yeah. not buying into it is because he's just not pushing himself hard enough for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's sympathetic enough to it. And it, it might actually be a problem of it's almost too short of an episode to effectively deal with his problem. I think they do a pretty good job of it. But the, the Vic Fontaine problem remains there for me, which is unfortunate because... I really like the narrative story of Vic realizing this at the same time. I like, like, I really like the setup of this one where they're just spending time with each other in the holodeck and like working over fake books and stuff like that and reading the newspaper with each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it's charming and fun. And, uh, the, the actors really do a good job. Like Aaron Eisenberg is really probably, this is his best nog episode. I think by oh, far, yeah, by far, yeah. he could have torpedoed that, um, that breakdown scene at the end where he starts like crying about why he mm-hmm. feels this way. And he doesn't, he, he, he knocks it out of the park basically. And Vic Fontaine is also like, uh, 
What's the guy's name? Darren what? I forget his name. Darren, whatever his name Darren is. Darren something, yeah. Uh, does another, another good job of just being that warm, likable character who simultaneously undermines yet another Star Trek counselor and shows them how bad they are at their job. I was <laughs> thinking that too. It's like you've got this new character who you specifically set up to be a counselor and the first time she has to do like a big counseling thing, it's like, well... I'm not any good at this. Let's feed him to a hologram. Yeah. She um, also gets a really self-righteous. She's like, hey, you're just a hologram. I'm a counselor. And he's like, all right, Pally. And she <laughs> sends him off. But it's, Fuck you, buddy. It's, it's very much a uh, a Guinan usurping Troy in Star Trek yeah. season two of TNG. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, was, I, I wonder if it wouldn't have been an, a nice little button to have... Uh, you know, sort of a bittersweet button to have when he comes back in uniform and stuff and he's in a better headspace. You're talking about Nog? Nog, yes. For Vic to ask him, you know, as he's leaving, like, oh, hey, how's the leg? And have him say something like, it still hurts, but I don't mind it as much or something like that. You know, know, so it's instead of it just being like he needs a boot in the ass and then he's fine, just a a reminder that the pain is still there, but it's just something that he's working through. Yeah. He does that slightly earlier in the scene where he hugs his family because they ask him how he is. And he says, I'm not great, but I'm going to get better or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. I guess that counts. I guess um, I forgot that. But he, he, he doesn't do it with Vic uh, at, at the very end. Yeah. I Because I I think I I think I like this episode. I really like the the different take on it. Like it's it really feels very different from all the other DS9 episodes that they've done. And I like the the story. I like that it works sense uh, works and makes sense in context of like everything that's come before it. I think it's a little bit speedy. I think they they undermine Dax quite a bit in it, and it, uh, it's also just it's tough to have this character play this role, this Vic Fontaine character play this role when he was seemed to have been set up as kind of a one off lark, and he's taken mm. on a bigger role than that. Mm. And I they've don't actually go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say they've actually they actually answered a question I think I had the last episode which was do, is he just running all the time cuz people just seem to walk into this program and sure. at the end of this episode they just make sure he runs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so clear clearly that that was something that they considered where it's like well if we want him to have this function that we want he needs to be running constantly so let's just make him run constantly. Funny they they make a big deal about like the energy usage but I thought this thing was running all the time with different people anyway. I I, I didn't get the sense mm-hmm. that it was ever just turned off because it was too expensive to run or something like that but yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I didn't get the sense that it, it, it heats up like a laptop. Yeah, or anything. yeah. He got to starts making a fan noise as you're in there, and <laughs> got to hold it out the window for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you think that this episode changed your opinion on Vic Fontaine, or do you think it was basically this is what you expected that character to be, and this is what he is, or did you expect a big moment like this from him? Um. I don't think it really changed my opinion of him. I think he does the same thing he's always been doing, just on a bigger scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, because he's always, he's always been this character that people come to. Yeah, he's very much a Guinan-type character, which is interesting that he showed up so late into the series. He's a Mary Sue, isn't he? He's kind of a Mary Sue character. Do you, do you have yeah, to be a, a lead uh, character to be a Mary Sue? I'm kind of seeing that facetiously, but he's good at everything. There's nothing that Vic can't do. Well, he can't... Can't balance the leave. books. Yeah, he can't balance the books or leave the holodeck, so I guess he can't do everything right. <laughs> but the universe is all our own holodeck, Clay. You, you, no one can leave their own personal holodeck, I guess. Whoa. 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 
Whoa. What did, um, do you think that the, what do you, what do you think? Do, do you th- like, I, I think that one of the things that I wish this did maybe a little bit better, although I think I, I think I like this because I think even all the way back when we talked about like, uh, is it hollow pursuits? I think it's hollow pursuits, which is the Barkley episode where he's introduced and it, it's revealed that he's having sex with crew members on the holodeck mm-hmm. uh, that he's recreated. You mean butt of the joke, Bar- Barclay? Butt of the butt of the joke, Barclay. Uh, Lieutenant Broccoli, as Picard used to call him, to everyone's laughter. Um, <laughs> what do you think about? I like that this episode is the first one to really deal. Well, it's not the really first because uh, Barclay did it, but it, it does a more effective job, I think, than the Barclay thing at revealing why people would want to stay on the holodeck or why mm. the holodeck technology could be a problem. Barclay's was kind of played as like a kind of like a um he's sort of disturbed in some ways. Like he, he's not well Barkley with, with what he's doing. There's something a little bit more strange and Nogs is a little bit more understandable about why he would want to go in there and stay in there. And I, I think they do a pretty good job of that. They don't really uh, like account for it in the terms of the Star Trek universe of being like, well, this is why we have fail safes and you're only allowed 45 minutes of holodeck time per week or something like that. But right. they, I think they, they do a good job of touching on like, being absorbed into some other universe pretty well and like the reason why the unreality would be more appealing than real life yeah i i I mean it's it's clearly an escapism thing and that stuff is very seductive and uh tempting and it is really easy to if you have if you have literally any situation possibly imaginable at your fingertips yeah you're probably gonna if you if you if you're given too much rope, you're probably going to end up spending too much time in whatever holodeck fantasy you've cooked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite scenes in this is when they're talking about Nog uh, being in the holosuite at first and they call that meeting in the, the, the room and they start going, they start making fun of like the various programs and Bashir's going, Hey, yes. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like not that yeah. stupid Viking pro. He's like, Hey, not that stupid war. Hey, I like Bashir obviously loves it. He's got the spy stuff. Him and O'Brien clearly have a lot of uh, fun together on the Hollow Suites. Yeah, if I was start, if I was uh, um, Starfleet, I would take a, uh, I would I would take note of how the Hollow Suites work on on DS Nine and apply it to all of the ships. In that you have to pay for them to use them. Because that's the only thing that I can see stopping people from just spending all aside from the fact obviously you got duty to do. But like I I would imagine that after every shift there is a line outside the holodeck for people who are waiting to go and do something else yeah. that is not Starship related. And it's it's amazing that the the after the in, uh, introduction of the holodeck, that the human species actually like continued to replicate. Yeah, that we people actually will go and meet other real people. I think because um, if yeah, because if you think if you think the internet is bad for yeah. uh, cutting off people from actual you know talking to other people, the holodeck would be a thousand times worse. Yeah, it's funny because it um, I think the the current thing that would be our holodeck technology is our phone, right? Like we um. Right. I guess, like, on a personal level, like, there's the, uh, if you, when you have the phone and it's difficult, it's difficult when you're, um, playing, like, when I have the kids by myself all day and, Mm -hmm. like, there's, you know, you start off strong in the morning and you're like, all right, guys, like, let's, let's read, we'll play, we'll do this stuff. And after, like, four hours of that, you're just like, I need to, like, I need to look at my phone (laughs) for a little bit. Mm. Like, you guys sit here. 
And then you look at your phone. I'm looking through my phone. And then I'll come, like someone will come up and I'll feel like a little hand on my shoulder and Alice will say like, Dada, stop looking at your phone. And it's the most, <laughs> it's the most like heartbreaking thing to hear from and them. he's like covered in his own shit. <laughs> right, the, the other the, one's just, the other one's on the floor just bleeding. You look out the window and the baby's like crawling across the road or something like that into the street. But it's, it's really, um, it's, and it's not like I'm looking at anything impressive. I'm just like scrolling through nonsense sure. on my phone and. Sure. Even even if it's not the seduction of the holodeck, you're still just really drawn to look at like anything else than other than what's actually important to you. It's a really mm. bad byproduct of the human mind. And the holodeck, if like you introduce the holodeck at this point in our evolution, I think it would just completely destroy the human species. Yeah, yeah. I I've noticed um, online when I'm at my computer. Uh, do people still say that online anymore? Is when, 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 you, when you log when I, on. <laughs> when I log on to the web, uh, <laughs> we have my dial-up just cranking on at, on uh, on all cylinders. Town Hall 58. Just let me in there. I got, I got stuff to... <laughs> Usenet.startrek. Alt.startrek. Um, I've noticed that I have like four or five sites that I go to and like that's it. And for internet whatever feels reason, smaller now doesn't it? When the it internet really came does. out, it felt huge, and you 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 like found new websites, and now there's like four websites that you go to. Yeah, and like I'll still go if you know if I'm working and I need resources, and I'll I'll Google and whatnot. And YouTube is is obviously a, a big thing, but even that I don't. I mean, I remember in the early days of YouTube, I would spend a sh- like just video, 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 video. You know, yeah. Or Wikipedia, you get into a Wikipedia hole and you just keep clicking those hyperlinks as you go deeper and deeper into you know learning different stuff about you know uh, yeah the second AD. In the Civil War yeah right the second director of some movie that you never oh yeah seen. IMDb yeah. yeah absolutely um but now I feel like I have maybe four websites that I go to but the thing that kills me and makes me feel like an insane person is if I'm procrastinating and I'm like on the internet procrastinating, I end up just like cycling through the same five websites over and over and over again. And I feel, and I catch myself doing it. I'm like, what am I, what am I expecting to happen here? Yeah. Am I, I'm, I'm that, I'm that uh, adverse to doing the stuff that I have to do that. I just keep checking the same wrestling website, waiting for a new article to pop up. (laughs) It's insane. And I think that's, I think I, I honestly think that's a byproduct of Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Because those are two yeah. things that are constantly updating, so you're constantly going have a reason to go back. Was- you know, in your head anyway, you think it has a reason <laughs> to go back. So you you apply that sort of uh processing to other websites. So after you've read the articles you want to read, you go somewhere else and then you go, Well, let's check back in the other ones, even you know, yeah. see if it updated and it's it's uh I'm 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 going insane is what I'm trying to say. No, when I when I have to like look for Star Trek links to like post on Twitter or something, I'll go like a day later and the, there will be no new Star Trek news, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, like how can there not be any news about Star Trek? <laughs> it's very yeah. But then you even s- on honestly, even on Discord, if I if I log on to Discord and then I see those white little dots yeah, next the to dots. everything, I, I'm like, oh yeah stuff to read <laughs> then i read through that stuff and then i get off discord and then like three hours later i'll come back on if there's no white dot i'm like oh yep what am i doing yeah no i know someone had a tweet about like 
that awkward moment when you read your Twitter and you refresh the feed and no new tweets appear and you're like, what the, <laughs> like what, what is gone is like a nuclear attack happened in the world or something? Why is there no, mm-hmm. n- not a single person tweeted a picture of something somehow? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the, that's the danger of it. And I, we're not even in a place where we're like damaged to want to go look for something else like that. It's like, mm-hmm. it really is just the, um, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just something about new information at your yeah. fingertips is really appealing and it, it takes away from virtually everything else. And I, I don't think that this episode, I almost wish that this, maybe that's a little bit uh, prescient that they would touch on something like that because they weren't really into the internet era at this point. So they weren't really sure of how bad things could possibly get. So yeah, well, well there was it, that one guy famously who was like the internet, the greatest invention in humankind. It'll bring everybody together. Everyone will see everything on the same level and we'll all understand each other better as a species. And then mm-hmm. now he's like, I was so wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry I said those things. Unfortunately, it it's the- on the internet and I can't get rid of my, uh, my yeah. previous thoughts. <laughs> and it is also, it's the dumbest thing I could have said because the internet is uh, is a travesty. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the uh, democratization, I suppose. Now, it, did, it did happen and it didn't happen. The uh, The other, yeah, it's a tangent too, but I was looking at like Fiverr, you know, the website Fiverr where you you, sure. you pay people small amounts of money and they do things for you. Um mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, like what a what a great idea." And it, it is a great idea, but then when I go there and I need something to do, it's impossible to find it's impossible to pick someone to do the thing that you want them to do because there's a billion people offering that service. Mm-hmm. And so you're in this like yeah, it's like it, it's opened up the floodgates to where like there used to be a market for something like you could corner the market and be like the person who did this for your village or whatever. And now it's just like there's so many options that it's sometimes uh, paralyzed by the choice of how and many people are out there. And most of them are bad. Yeah. Like that's the other thing is everything is – every the downside to rating and review culture where everything has a star rating and everything has reviews is like I think – the quality level just lowers across the board. Because um, if you go on Amazon and you're trying to buy a piece of technology or something and you're looking at the reviews and the star ratings, even stuff that have majority four and five stars, there's a solid chance it's going to be a piece of shit. Yeah, and, Amazon movie ratings. Oh, yeah. Everything Speaking is four and a half stars on Amazon. Yeah, I was going to say, I was looking yesterday uh, as I was finishing up Vampire in Brooklyn on Pro... Amazon Prime Vampire in Brooklyn had four and a half stars. Yeah, four and a half stars. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I guess that's sort of the the uh, uh, the conceit of the how did this get made? Um, second opinions, where they just pick all of these uh, pot, crazy positive reviews about these yes. terrible movies. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just a, it makes having so many choices oddly having so many choices that are all rated. And at a at a star level or or number rating actually oddly makes it more difficult to choose something. Yeah, yeah. We're we're at the point now where we don't trust the reviews anymore. Really. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because there's so. Yeah. That's why on Amazon, are fucking I, stupid. Basically, yeah. <laughs> the people the people dedic- these like super reviewers or whatever on Amazon people who have like dedicated their lives to reviewing things on Amazon. It's just like what 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 is this? How? Yeah, I'm convinced those are like the a a different um a different section of the same people who comment on yahoo news articles mm-hmm. which I, I you know my 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 email is through yahoo so i'm i'm always on the homepage and i'll click on the articles every now and then and i always go to the comments because they're fucking insane yeah but and i'm and it's like there's like hundreds of them and i'm like who is writing comments 
on a Yahoo News article. And then I read them and I go, then I read them and I'm like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> They're out there. They're doing it. Um, I think this is the, uh, I'm going to awkwardly wheel it back to this episode. I think this is the best <laughs> use of Vic Fontaine's music out of all the episodes that they've had, where all the previous Vic Fontaine episodes where he's singing, it feels like an extended break to just fit the song in for no particular reason. Sure. And they do a much better job here of making the music actually be, because people, when they're down, do listen to music like Nog does here. So Vic's whole shtick makes much more sense to me in this episode, where he is kind of the, he's Nog's iPod that he goes to that can talk to him, and it becomes friendly with him and everything. And the, the Paper Moon song, is you know very appropriate for this uh episode where it's like if you if you if we believe in each other like uh reality because starts to have more meaning to it and things like that and all the stuff that i was looking down on before is no longer a paper moon and a cardboard sea or whatever the lyrics are but it actually matters as long as we uh believe and have faith and trust in each other as people and i think that works it's good it's it's a good use of vic it's a good use of his music and i didn't mind listening to the songs this time yeah i think so too the uh (laughs) The scene where Nog is is listening to that one song over and over again in his room yeah, reminded Jake. me. Did, did you? I can't. Can never remember. Did you watch the uh, American Office? Uh, n- not solidly through. I've seen it before. No. Yeah. Uh, there was an episode where uh, Michael Scott's girlfriend breaks up with him, and he's all depressed. So he's sitting in his office, and he keeps playing the ten second iTunes preview of a James Blunt song. <laughs> Because he won't, he, he won't, won't buy, buy the song. He yeah. just wants to listen to the preview, so he just keeps hitting it over and over again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, the music was good. Yeah, it, it. I thought it was a really good use of him um, and and the music, and especially yeah, that Paper Moon song is like you couldn't ask for a more thematically on target song to use. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I feel like. Yeah, this is probably the best usage of him across the board, I think. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel as quite as ham-fisted as it has in the past, where it's like Odo and Kira just are happen to be going to dinner, and the only place they they choose to go is to Vic Fontaine's dance hall or something. Right. You know, it's... Yeah. Um, and, all you know, all wedging, paths go through Vic Fontaine for some reason. Like, no yeah. matter where people are going on their journey, they stop at Vic Fontaine first. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, to actually have instead of him just being this uh wise sage to get the uh, you know, advice full of fifties Vegas slang, uh, you actually have him involved in the story and he actually has a stake in the story too. Yeah. Well did that surprise you when they kind of flipped it around on Vic at the end that where he because I feel, in my in my opinion, it's a flaw, but he is the driving decision maker of the episode. Right. And uh, did that surprise you that he kind of has that revelation where he realizes that they don't even focus on it. Like, he seems to realize that his, his universe is useless for some reason, which I think <laughs> contradicts the character, though. Like, I, I, I don't feel that Vic... They, they do the thing where they're like, well, he's sad because he has to shut himself off, which seems to be a problem for him. I don't I don't know why that's kind of a problem. He seems to I guess only absorb life to its fullest when he's constantly bombarded by life, I suppose, which is fair. Mm. I'll I'll accept that. But I just think that him I don't really believe Vic's argument that he is a hollow empty character because I don't think that he's written that way. He's he's written as a fully fleshed out person who just can't leave this kind of prison cell that he's in. Mm-hmm. And so I when he when he gives Nog that speech about like 
if you stay here, you'll be as empty as I am. He's being sincere, but I don't believe that that character should sincerely say something like that. I actually think he should, because I I think holodeck characters, um, if if we're talking like not from a writing standpoint, but from like an in-world standpoint, <clears throat> I think holodeck characters at um, number one on their list of, of things in their programming has to be that they understand that they are fake. Because if you had char- a character in a holodeck who like was like uh, a Rachel in Blade Runner where she didn't realize she was a replicant or whatever. And then all of a sudden they 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 discovered that they were a fake computer program and yep. they would go fucking crazy. So well, I think I yeah, think you, the underlying pro- Sorry, uh, did I sorry, did I my, cut you off? My, no, my computer. <laughs> cut me up cuz I was bad mouthing computers and so she's listening. Don't say anything. But you, you know listening. that you know that TNG <clears throat> That is the way of things in TNG until Moriarty came along, right? Like, so TNG set it up where the holodeck characters don't realize that they are hologram characters. They're programmed Mm -hmm. to basically play this role that they have. And if you tell them that they are, they treat it like it's kind of like nonsense. Like, if you you tell somebody that they're a hologram in a Sherlock Holmes program, they go like, what's a hologram? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I get that, but I think there's Vic Fontaine is clearly a Vic is more, different, that, and advanced. that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I I think I think having him, I think the interesting thing for me is that he knows that he is just ones and zeros, and it's the taste of life that is that is uh, addicting to him because he doesn't get that generally. So that's that's where his um, drive is coming from. Uh, so I, I can I I don't have a problem with him saying it because I know what you mean. Like he is he is a very you know well written character and and has a lot of life to him. But I think in order to make that story work, I think he has to recognize that it's all fake. Yes, and I I think that I I agree with that that it works for the story. I think it works for Vic as a character. I think it makes it tougher for him to deliver that news to Nog in this storyline, mm-hmm. um, which would be the, the the switch that I mentioned at the start, where he he kind of realizes it, but Nog realizes it more. Like he realizes that that, that there's a kind of emptiness to it because uh, Fontaine Fontaine can never leave the holodeck, so his life continues to just be kind of fake. I would argue, like, and he he should probably realize that, like, if this character was really having this belief it feels like he would take the moriarty approach where he's like i want to get off the holodeck i want to go yeah. into real life and i want to experience what that is but the fontaine character doesn't he seems more content to have life come into the holodeck and him to talk to them which is fine mm-hmm. but it's a um it's just it's one of those like just a problem of like the character set up and it's not I'm, i don't think it's enough to really torpedo the episode but it's something that i think about when they come to that resolution when are they going to have the episode where uh Vic Fontaine becomes an alcoholic because he's running 26 hours a day now <laughs> and people are only coming in to talk to him like every handful of hours a day. So he spends a lot of the time in an empty, empty hall doing nothing. It's that, uh, it's that scene from office space at the beginning where all the 15 bosses come up and tell the guy the same thing. They're like, did you get the memo? Vic, did yeah. you get the memo about the TPS reports? Yeah. Yeah. I got the memo. I got the memo. I, I imagine Vic, uh, yeah, Vic, 
it's probably not a true to life thing where Vic feels that getting more of the life is not going to burn him out or anything. <laughs> he, he he feels that he appreciates getting all the uh, the boring moments like flying to Toledo or whatever they're going on their plane trip and stuff like that. I can't wait to do my books tomorrow and just deal with numbers. <laughs> I lost two taxes. checks. Oh, I can't wait! Can't wait to pay taxes. <laughs> he brings up taxes in this one, doesn't he? Doesn't he mention mm-hmm. taxes? That's a very Vegas crooner thing to talk about. It's funny. Let's um, we'll take a break. We'll call it a day there. Let's uh, take a break, and I'll play an audio clip. And then after that, we're going to come back and read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about it's only a paper moon. If I stay here, at least I know what the future is going to be like. You stay here, you're going to die. Not all at once. But little by little, eventually you become as hollow as I am. You don't seem hollow to me. Compared to you, I'm hollow as a snare charm. Look, kid, I don't know what's going to happen to you out there. All I can tell you is that you've got to play the cards life deals you. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But at least you're in the game. All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed the content, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best place to go to support us. A couple dollars a month and you get extra podcasts and things like that. Also, Captain Tier supporters, the highest tier that we have, get a special shout out at this point. Special thanks go to Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, David Mosk, David Be- or Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, IC Unicorns, Yarpy, Yarpy, Yarpy. Joy Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elwood, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. The list is getting long, but that's a good problem to have, and it's much appreciated. So go to patron comments about this one. If you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them. Point Extra G says, Is there some sort of award for the episode with the most ludicrous premise that somehow manages to completely work? Having Nog hide in the holosuite with Vic in 1960s Vegas because he can't deal with PTSD sounds absurd, because it is. But it's also probably Nog's best episode, and also very likely the best use of Vic Fontaine. Nog lashing out at Jake is tough to watch, but it's perfectly played. That's a fairly brutal attack that Nog has on Jake in this episode. He knocks yeah. he knocks the table over and then runs over and like mounts him and punches him in the face <laughs> once, which is which is a lot more than I was expecting to happen. Hey, he it's the first time he doesn't use his cane though. That's, <laughs> although, does anyone want to address Vic's possible sentience? I, I did. <laughs> I did have a thought, though, when Jake and, and his uh, girlfriend showed up. I, like, looked away for a second and looked back as they were feeling kind of awkward and someone had said something, and I was like, oh, is this a little too accurate of a depiction of 1960s America? Oh, gotcha. As far as uh, a black couple walking into an all-white dance hall. Yeah, the, the, the guy yells down in front or something like that. At yeah, them, yeah, yeah, I was like, ooh. <laughs> Although, if This episode took a turn. Yeah, if you- if you're ever in the position that Jake's girlfriend is in this, uh, just tell Nog to fuck off, basically, I think is a more appropriate uh, response to If it's like, yeah, I'm looking at your stumpy leg, asshole. Like, that's, that's exactly what I'm looking at. Uh, Nog lashing out at Jake is tough to watch, but it's perfectly played. Although, does anyone want to address Vic's possible sentience? He's clearly not your average hollow character, but everyone treats him like he's no different than any other program. He manages to make Ezri look completely inept at her job, so no different than Guinan or Deanna, really. But anyway, the episode is one of the best that they've done. 
Norman Buckwald says, uh, another elephant in the room when it comes to the seventh season, Vic Fontaine. What makes this story almost work is Nog and Esri managing to once again show that she's still more of an amateur counselor at this point to allow Nog to live in the hollow suite. Barkley would be jealous, and while Troy has done some experimental stuff, I just don't see her doing this. But this episode and later Bada Bing was more about an indirect endorsement of Vegas and where Star Trek The Experience had just premiered. I really think that's why Vic <laughs> that's Fontaine was created to begin with. Still, he's well acted, and Eisenberg really shows his acting chops in the episode. I give it a three out of five. How that's a good interesting a good point, point about Vegas. Yeah, and also how did they not just hire that actor in Vegas to play that character in a room of the Star Trek experience right. for like yeah. 3 years? He just has that his uh, like, one man show. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it would be a, a no-brainer. I wonder if they do that. It almost seems like such a thing that they probably maybe James I think his name is James Darren. Maybe he makes more money not doing that than the conventions would actually bring in or something. Yeah. Uh, Captain Quark says, did I skip one? Let me check this. No, I did not. But yeah, interesting point about Vegas. Um, would they do that? Is this the best character to do? It doesn't, it doesn't feel that cynical of an inclusion. Like, cause it's not, I don't know. It it doesn't feel like it's a, uh, (laughs) let's put it this way. The message of the episode isn't spend all your time in Vegas. Yeah. And I don't think that our Star Trek fans, like, begging to see vegas crooners is that is that like what will draw them to vegas to see these like lounge acts i, I don't I think, know i think his point is it's the other way around where it's like if you put this vegas stuff in your show oh we have this new star trek experience in vegas you know put come out and see synergy. it synergy yeah come out to see the star trek thing in vegas it's just like vic fontaine right yeah yeah captain quark says Rest in peace, Aaron Eisenberg. This is probably be both James Darren and his best performance on the show. Uh, probably both James Darren and Aaron Eisenberg's best performances on the show. Even in the future, people still experience trauma and have to find their own methods of coping, as Nog does here. One of the best aspects of the episode structurally is that there's no lackluster B-plot to subtract from the drama of Nog's plight. Everything is built around his story, which really allows it to shine. Probably the best episode of the seventh season so far. Hmm. Do, do, do. This was... um. Originally, the original pitch for this episode was going to be called One Night at Quark's, and it was going to involve all the characters having different stories that somehow intertwined at Quark's, and that they uh. were all spending time in the bar. They started it, and Ronald D. Moore got the uh, writing assignment to do it, and he realized that none of the other stories work. So he, it's a pretty substantial change was what was originally brought up, and they decided to focus on Nog. So, I think this is better. Um, cause that, that's a fairly stock premise. That's a very sitcom premise, I think, to yeah. have for, for a show, yeah. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, it's only a paper moon. Wow, I really love Vic in this episode. He's got everyone's number, but can't escape his own perceptiveness when it's time to end it. Yep. Also, <laughs> I do, I do like that when, uh, Nog shows up, he's like, yeah, I'm not feeling good. And he's like, is it cause your leg got blown off? He's like, what? <laughs> How do you know that? And his answer is just people talk. My, my my favorite is um in the meeting where they're talking about it. Rom says something like, "My idiot son, my idiot one legged son, or so, he's lost his mind, or something <laughs> like that." It's, it's <laughs> it was a really strange. It was a strange. It's obviously to show that Rom does not like uh, get on his level or something. But I thought it was a, a very strange thing to focus on for uh, for him. Darth Mosk says. Touching episode after Eisenberg's passing really drives home how PTSD from war, bad accident, and a bad relationship can seem irrational from an outside perspective, but the brain can create real pain. 
Shower thought, is Vic Fontaine the same type of program as Voyager's doctor, able to achieve sentience after being left on for prolonged periods, retaining memories, and maybe even dreaming? I go to five out of five. I did like the um I did like the fact that no one really understands Nog. I think they set that up really well, including Jake, where Jake is just like, Stop playing this goddamn song and get the hell out of here. Um mm. people are they do a good job of people being sympathetic to him, but also not 100% getting it so that they all still kind of get annoyed by his problem at the same time. Yeah, Jake, Jake has no bedside manner whatsoever. He no. went from zero to prick pretty quickly. I, I don't think he knocks when he just barges into his bedroom at night and uh, Nog is laying there like a, like a corpse, basically, listening to that song over and over again. But I mean, at the, very, at the very least, the first thing you say is, hey, Nog, would you mind putting, in some, putting on some headphones? <laughs> Have I ever told you, I don't know if I've told this story before, I'm, I'm sorry if I have. I had a roommate in college, in a junior year, who, um, he would listen to music, we, we were in a double, so we, we had a shared space, and we would both be working, and he would put on music, and after, like, with no headphones or anything, so after a while, I would be like, hey, you know, I'm having trouble focusing and stuff, would you mind putting on headphones? He's like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm so, so yeah, absolutely, no problem. Throw in his headphones, plug him in, starts playing again. He starts singing out loud to the song that he's listening to. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? How? Where is the disconnect that like it's where noise comes from? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. It's one of those things where like after it happened, I was like, I don't even know how to address this because I, I just like stared at the, his, the back of his head with my eyes very wide in disbelief that he just did that. You know what my thing that always gets me about that when you're like, uh, especially with the kids, when we have the kids and someone will come over, or people are visiting and the kids are in bed sleeping. It's like, hey, you know, kids are a little quiet. Do you mind being quiet? People are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, no problem. They, they uh, you know, they're sort of walking around lightly and it's like, all right, I'm going to take off. They slam the fucking door. Some people just seem <laughs> incapable of leaving an establishment without slamming the door. I, I really don't understand what it is, but it's if if you are that person, you always slam the door. I, I have no idea what it is. People don't I, seem to register it as like a loud thing. They're just like, boom, slam the door shut. I wonder if it's, I mean, I guess it would be person to person, but I wonder if it's a result of maybe like living in apartments and stuff because a lot of those doors need to be slammed to shut them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, so maybe it's, maybe it's just a built, like my front, the front door of my place, you, you need to give it like a solid, you know, tug. To, mm -hmm. to get it to stay shut for everything to latch. Do you find so that you I, approach all doors with the same intensity, though, or do you like? Or do you check the door when you sh like? I don't just grab oh, the door. Oh, I shatter and I'll them. Yeah, slam every everything. time I go to my every time I go to my parents, they, I break the door off the hinge. <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's I don't know, maybe people are just being assholes. I mean, some people don't. I think it's just a yeah. Maybe it's just being oblivious. You know, some people. I think a lot of it comes down to I am a when I shut the door, I twist the doorknob and shut the door. Right? Sure. Some people don't seem to do that. They just pull yeah. on it until the door gives way and it shuts on itself. Yeah. And well, it's got that little slider part that that pushes it down so you don't have to turn the doorknob. People need to people need to work on their door shutting game, I think, is, is what I'm getting <laughs> at here. Because the slamming of the door just drives me insane. Uh, let's see here. What am I at? Matthew Ross. A good story exploring PTSD and reality and escaping from it as well. A grand performance by the late Aaron Eisenberg. Darren singing is, as always, a nice warm embrace to the story. In the meantime, Jake shows he earns his reputation as the F machine of the crew with Kesha. Oh, I didn't realize she had a name. 
Uh, Vic Fontaine does make me wonder how aware he is of himself and what role holograms really play. A thought for another episode. We'll find out uh, with this. We'll find out with the suite on for twenty six hours a day. The most important part of the episode is Nog's realization of his own mortality. It's fascinating as this is running into a fantasy to escape the pain of war. And it's not just his time fighting on AR. He's been in other combat, and this was the last leg, if you will, if the amount of pain he could take. Oh, no. The flashback to AR-558 was a night's touch. His expression of his own fear and realization that he is not indestructible is so well expressed, I believe he did face combat. The nagging of Ezri and all the doctors and knowing of one's feelings, too, I think would, uh, would I think get annoying. Maybe two weeks off is not enough to jump on the bridge. Sad, sweet, and enjoyable. Um, I like the flashback scene. They border, they push it as far as they can by replaying the Ferengi shriek. When the Ferengi get hurt, they let out that high-pitched mm-hmm. uh, scream, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a running joke. And I think it still works, but it, like when they show the flashback, it's just it's a funny noise. It's not supposed to be taken seriously, <laughs> and they play it that way again. Let's see here. Next. Alex, uh, Alex Bogut says, Episode has aged very well along with me. Did not understand it much when it came out in the mid-90s, but now can definitely relate to him with much more to Nog's desire to withdraw from his responsibilities and embrace escapism after I myself returned from Afghanistan. Though fortunate not to have injuries or PTSD, it may sound strange, but I really miss the freedom that I had down there. Having to come back to the States during my free time, I mostly wanted to sleep, drink, and listen to podcasts when I would get off duty. Therapy helped me stop drinking, yet escapism also from escapism through YouTube podcasts and audiobooks has remained with me largely because it helps me relax and forget about the everyday stress. Just like Nog with Vic Fontaine, I got to feel as though the constant content creators like Dan Carlin, Mike Duncan, as well as Wes and Clay are friends with whom I have a quasi relationship and found the content to be much more interesting than real life. Just like with Barclay's hollow pursuits episode on TNG, this episode does not quite answer the question as to what exactly is moderation in terms of using media for escapism as it has been proven to be an ongoing issue in the 21st century. That's a very nice comment. Thank you, Alex. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, thank you very much for that. Um, Assuming that's why he was out there. uh, I think he, yes, I would have to assume, yeah, in Afghanistan. You know, maybe, I mean, who who knows? He could have been on an elongated vacation that was just very poorly booked. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the routing was not done well. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Alex. Neil Brennan says, it's only Paper Moon. Hard to add anything to Alex's comment above, but I'll only say this. Not many Star Trek episodes are beautiful. They can see each other's comments? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a little thread, like a little comment thread. Oh. Uh, Neil says, I'll only say this. Not many Star Trek episodes are beautiful, and this was. Please, guys, please. I don't don't work here. I'm sorry. (laughs) We're peaking here. There's no need to watch Voyager. Please. That's that. Hey, man, why do you you want to keep us away from money? I'm asking you. I'm willing I'm willing to stand in the town square and have people throw tomatoes at me in the shape of Voyager episodes for $900 a month. Will Yates says, final comment, This is why DS9 is the black sheep of Star Trek and the one that wasn't appreciated in its own time. I can't imagine any other series exploring PTSD this way, at least until Discovery. This was a wonderful episode exploring one of the cracks DS9 made in the Roddenberry universe. I like the way Rom had to check that Nog knew the prophets were holographic. Uh, and how Noggin moved through the question as quickly as possible. Aaron Eisenberg gives his performance of the series and all the little bits of character work for him pay off in spades in this episode. The injury shattered his confidence. The fear poured in, forced him to cope with the inevitable. I saw his torment through all the makeup. A great episode. Thank you very much, guys, for leaving your thoughts about that. And yeah, I think it's um, I think it's definitely a relatable episode for a lot mm. of people. I think that if you just want to put your own, like, either through uh service like an actual like literal empathic 
service thing where you were in service and you can relate to Nog, or if it's just kind of like a fear of wasting your time with stuff that is irrelevant while the real world continues to tick along outside is also something that I think is nice. Um, but yeah, thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Uh, I'm going to give it a four, I think. Um, what I One of the things that I actually like the most about it is that it, <clears throat> it was a very effective uh, episodic episode that worked inside of the uh serialized format because it was it was an episodic episode um but it was dealing with things that are had been set up in a serialized nature but you could still watch this in a vacuum and it would still work yeah i think it's the first like truly standalone episode that's worked pretty well in a long time on the show i think so too yeah which is which is kind of a surprising aspect to it I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna give it a four as well. I don't think it's a all-time classic, but I think it's really good. I think it's um, it's a good branching out for the series at this point. Season seven, it's like you give an episode to Vic and Nog and see what comes of it. And I think they did a really good job of making it relatable, making it about something. Uh, the performances are good. I think everything works. The script is good. It's appropriate to use the music, all that stuff. I think it's uh, worth recommending to show to people. And I think it would be on like a curated list. I think I would have to include it. Oh, definitely. That's it. It's a four out of five. And it works well as like, a, you know, the second part of the two-parter, if you consider Siege of AR558 AR to be the first part. This is an effective family-esque uh, conclusion to that story. Let's see here. I think that's it. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show on Patreon. You can also follow all the social media down below, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, where all the conversations and the white dots appear that you click on. And I think that's pretty much it. We're going to be back with, what's the next episode? It is Prodigal Daughter. So we'll be back with Prodigal Daughter in a couple days. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, Just that the new spoiler section on Discord is really, really uh, firing up my need to click all those white dots and get them gone because I can't (laughs) click on it because I don't want, so I have to click on it and scroll down to make sure the white dot goes away, but I can't read anything. I wonder if there's a way for me to set it so that every, I wish there was a way that every text in a channel was just spoilerized automatically you know what i mean that's interesting and then like so a government document right right it's like just like the most redacted thing that you've ever seen because i also get annoyed by the white dot and to get rid of it i have to click on the channel which shows me the latest comments on it mm, yes you can all you can right click on it i guess and also say clear all text just or mark is red which i guess maybe oh, is the best way to oh, do okay. it i'll just but anyway, yeah, use the uh, use the spoiler thing if you guys want to talk about your upcoming Star Wars or whatever movie. Stuff that hasn't come out yet, you can use that channel in the Discord. And I had something else I was going to say. Wait, but now they know that I don't read it, so they can say stuff about me. Oh, uh, that's true. I'll go in. I don't care about the spoilers. I will brave, okay. I will brave the waves and let you know. I'll report <laughs> back. Um, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, tomorrow, uh, Real Ripe comes back with Vampire in Brooklyn, so you guys can look forward to that. Eddie Murphy and Wes Craven combined for a movie that's currently at 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's about it. Otherwise, Badass continues. So you're almost at the end of your season. Star Trek yep. will continue for a little bit, and then uh, things continue as normal. And then we'll be around Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then 2020 sneaks right around the corner. <laughs> so. See, this is why I don't like using calendars, because then I look at that stuff and I go like, shit, this year's almost over. Yeah, it's almost done. Almost out of the awkward 19 into an even 20. Let's see how things go in that year. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. It means a lot to us, and uh, we'll see you next time. 